Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. We are superheroes, man. We don't have time to be charming. The boots of evil were made for walking. We're watching the big picture, friend. We know the score. We are a public service, not glamour, boys. Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a nutrition and exercise physiology professor, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder. This is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm hacked off today. I used to write for Muscle Mag, and I lift heavyweight. There you go. There you go. That's that's a good one. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a you know, competitive athlete, Highland Games, powerlifting, and whatever else I can find to pick up. Um, and uh, founder of LiftForHope.org and StrengthGuild.com. Awesome. You know what, you guys? You guys are the opponents of gravity. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, everyone. We're today. We're just going to be doing some uh, gym talk. Uh, we're, I'll, I'll tell a few tales from. From some recent competitions and things like that, but so no guests today. We're just going to basically have some gym talk because honestly, I think that's one of the values of Iron Radio is if you if you're not surrounded with people like this, you know, uh, now unfortunately you are. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to start off. We're going to start off with some just some uh, how things are going in the gym. So Rob, you said you're just hacked off in general lately. Is that is that panning out into good lifts or something? Are you taking out on weights or what? <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, yeah, it, it works quite well. I got my squats in, like I said, in an hour and a half, so I'm going to just uh, use it to fuel the beast, man. Right so, on. I'm just tired of dumb people. And anybody out there, you, you, if you think you're not dumb, you're probably a dumb person. So. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. You see, I know I'm a dumb person. That makes me not dumb. That at least puts, makes you intermediate. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right on. At least you're honest. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> So you said you were – tell us about your bench, Rob, before we were on, on air. <laughs> tell me about my bench. You, you said you were feeling good about the bench press. Well, yeah, just everything's going well. And, um, you know, I hit ultra easy pause 405 on the bench um, last week, and I'm good for a shit ton more. And I expect uh, quite a bit more towards my eventual goal of 500 pounds by the end of the summer. I'm not saying I'm going to get 500 pounds by the end of the summer. That's – Still a little time in the making there, but, right. you know. Well, I think listeners should know, too. I mean, I've seen you get a, a handful of reps with 405. So when you say easy like that, we're not talking about, yay, Rob got, a, you know, max one RM with 405. You're talking about something that felt really good. You paused. Yeah. You basically got cocky with it. Well, I just, uh, I, I've always said, right, and you, you've heard me say this umpteen times, there's a difference between lifting a weight and having mastered a weight. Right on. Usually yeah. the first several times you lift a weight, you're, you haven't mastered it yet. You know, sometimes it takes two years before you can actually master weight that you lifted two, three years ago. If I think Phil probably knows what I'm talking about. You know, so there's a world of difference between that. There's a world of difference between, yeah, I got the weight and it was good and it was, you know, it would have got white lighted and everything's good and being like, you know what, I could, I can play with this weight, you know, and I can, I can, I can turn this repetition into something resembling art. Because I got it down, you know, and that whole kind of thing. And I've been really kind of, uh, last several weeks, really kind of re, reanalyzing or rethinking my whole benching technique. And I've been switching little things here and there, and they've, um, been quite beneficial. So well, I, I, it, goes, it goes to show you, though, after so many years, I mean, you just, you keep learning and you keep, you, you know. And there's, I like what you're saying about mastering a weight. Like, if you were to say, how much do you bench, you know, to a lot of people, they're going to tell you something they once pulled off. You know, they're not going to tell you, they're not going to tell you something like if you say, you'd probably say, I don't know, 405, maybe 420, whatever. You know what I mean? You're going to be very honest and sort of conservative with that reply. And I, I totally get what you're saying. Let me give you an example. This will make you proud of me, Rob. Yet last night, I'm like, listen, my legs are not where I want them right now. I mean, I have big legs, but I want them. I want some cross striations. I want more veins in them right now, right? So, and that might seem kind of funny, but that I'm going for that. So I'm like, I need some moderate weight with some volume on these puppies. So 
I I put two seventy five on the bar. I warmed up. And yeah. I, I I thought I'm gonna get twenty reps. Didn't like the last five at all, and I racked it. And you know, either bouncy at the bottom or a little shallow or I, something. What didn't feel right, and I was so pissed off. I looked around and climbed back under the bar and did five more. And you know, that's a lot for me. So especially because I followed it up with some volume, like medium weight leg presses and stuff. But that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about, people. You know, if you do something, you're like, no, that I didn't like that. I, you know, I, I sort of jotted it down in my log as forced reps. No, yeah. not okay. I'm back under the bar. Didn't do those right. And I mean, I think probably only five seconds elapsed after I racked that bar. I'm like, no, unacceptable, you know. So. Well, I have, I mean, I've very oftentimes like done a set of whatever, and I would just won't counter rep. Just some ambiguous rep in the middle of a higher rep set, and I'll be like, that, that's no good. Yeah. Do that one again. Yeah, it was kind of like that. No, I hear you, because I know you, I've seen you do that before. Like, a one, two, three, 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 four. Exactly. Five, so you got you, you to make it, you got you to be too, too legit to quit, man. <laughs> so, Phil, what about you? You said, you said things are, are not rosy for you, though. No, yeah, exactly. I'm in the opposite boat, but I do agree totally with that. You know, I call it owning a weight. You know, there's a difference between you've done it before and you just own it. You oh, I like that too, yeah. And take that. Um, no, I mean, I've just had a, you know, I've been running all over the place. Life stresses way through the ceiling, and I, you know, I look back, and I haven't really been able to train since that meet January 9th, and so it's been like three months down, so I'm just getting back to some consistency and getting three, four days a week, and of course, things are in the toilet. So, I mean, what what used to be easy is very hard. So, you know, I'm just taking a big chunk of the humble pie, and I'm going to back way off yeah. and, you know, take six months and, you know, plan it out and look to be above where I was six months from now, not next week. You know, though, you know, part of the maturing process, because, I mean, you know, being a veteran, you, you can look at the last three months as a valley that you're going to climb out of and have fun climbing up exactly and if you were 20 you'd be like oh my god i lost my touch you know yeah exactly and i know it's there i know what i have is there i haven't lost that much because i've you know i've hit a day a week maybe two days a week here and there you know but it's been very spotty so i know i haven't lost much yeah it's just a matter of getting it back and it's just taking that time and you know i just need to not not push it so hard and ease back into it you're spending too much time tending to the sheep buddy i know man but i have to them little you know you gotta shear them you gotta Sheep and chickens and hogs. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. You know? Yeah, so. yeah. You, you can't you can't have a farm if you eat all the animals before they produce milk or eggs or anything, buddy. That's you got to you got to let them live for a little while. <laughs> I know. The bad thing is, I'm already I'm I'm also like 20 pounds lighter, so that plays into a big part of it. So what are you weighing then? So, like 240. Oh, 240. Yeah. String bean. I know. I know. I can so, be like 243 on a good day. Is that making you hungry then? Is that what you're saying? You're hungrier because your body weight's down or you're, you're just not hungry? Uh, no, it's just all the extracurricular stuff. You know, you move three times in, in three third floor apartments and then into a house and, you know, it's just been crazy. And then life stress, of course, you guys know how that does it. So, no, I mean, there hadn't been much time or desire to eat, you know, and so right. it's just getting back going on that and I'll gain that back pretty quick. And, uh, well, I think the strategy is sound, you know, just get yeah. yourself back in there three days a week. And after a couple of weeks, things will start coming together. Then you're going to be the T-Rex in charge of the chicken coop. Exactly. I wouldn't want to be one of the chickens. I'm already out here chasing deer, man. So I walked up, walked my dog down there the other day, and I pissed off a buck. It was pretty neat. He was, he was like, bouncing around and stomping his feet, so I had to get all raging on him like Rob. Was, was the final scene of you bouncing up a bet down on his back taming the sucker? No, that'd be cool. I want to, like, catch one and ride one. I think Wrestle that'd him that'd down and eat him. That'd be good video. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No I games. Yeah, how I dare he? My belly. Yeah, that's right. Get in the belly. No, I'm going to do like on Star Wars, man. I'll just cut him open and crawl in him and sleep in him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he gets for flaring his nostrils and showing a little testosterone to you. Not playing that game. No alpha deer in, in the T-Rex neighborhood. Exactly. So. No, but, you know, it'll come back. You know, it's other than that. Getting a nice gym set up here. You know, I've got a... Like a thirty by forty outbuilding that's going to be a nice, nice sized gym. Can I ask a question of a? Because I know, I I know this has probably been for longer and more heavily promoted in the states than it is in Canada, but it seems to be more starting to become more prevalent here. This P ninety X thing or whatever it is. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, we were kind of. I think we were mocking that a little bit on a on an episode a couple. I know. Of I want to refresh the mockery though. What the <laughs> hell is going on with this? Like seriously, what is this guy exactly pumping that people haven't known for sixty years? Well, I think it's a rebranding in a lot it of is. It's, it's like crossed it some other things, right? Yeah. It's been uh, well, no, he's actually been selling that thing. It's been for twenty years, and they just named it something again and put it back out. I mean, what did he say? He said you're, the body of your have the body of your dreams, and what is it? Three months. Yeah, something like that. Jeez, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. Nice. All you need, all you need is like one dumbbell and a chin-up bar. Yeah. The so dumbbell I'm, who's going to fork out his freaking credit card number. Yeah. Our collective 60 years experience and competition cred, you know, we've all been doing it wrong all this time. We could have had the body of our dreams in three <laughs> months. Yep. I Think know. of it, Lonnie. You, you could be competing in this year's Olympia. See, we're, our mistake is we're talking about heavy benching and squatting and stuff, and uh, instead we need to be doing this kind of crazy calisthenics stuff, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is they're doing, you know, jumping around on one foot. I saw a guy at the gym a couple a couple of weeks jumping ago. Around on one foot. And, you know, he pops in a video, and he's boxing and bouncing back and forth, and he's over to do a little bit of kip up, chin up things, and then he's doing something else, and he's bouncing all around, and I'm like. Oh man, I just wanted to just take one of the Olympic bars and calmly walk over and drop it in his hands. Yeah. You know, hey, try this. <laughs> now, first you got to punch him in the throat first. Oh, yeah, okay. If you're gonna do something like that, at least be like be one of the parkour guys where you're outside climbing buildings and stuff. You know? Yeah, that's kind you of. Know, but those guys are. Th- that's that's a different end. You know, they're yeah. trying to do that because it's cool and athletic. No, they're not trying to get jacked. I don't think. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, exactly. I agree with that. Yeah. Hey, hey Lonnie, how's the uh, how how are you maintaining your uh, your physique? Oh, I'm it's holding together. I'm you know what I'm in that last month where you're, you know what I mean. You're just trying not to fall apart. I mean, so like I got little nagging injuries, and I know listeners who are used to extreme dieting at least are familiar with this. But you know, when you don't eat, you're you have no tissue turnover, so you get hurt and you stay hurt. Little nagging things that should have gone away still there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm modifying lifts and, and stuff like that. And just, you know, little things that I know they're going to go away as soon as I start eating again. You know, especially you spend some years under the bar and you know what's nagging versus catastrophic. And there's clearly nothing catastrophic. But anyway, yeah. And then, you know, some of the emails I was sending you guys recently about, you know, some of these judges, they just want body wasting. Bodybuilding, you know, doesn't seem to be part of the picture anymore, unfortunately. Well, I don't really understand the whole, and, and I'm not well, naming names. I was going to say I don't even know the person's name, but why is it? How can it be bodybuilding when the guys who are placing in the bodybuilding show weigh less than the average woman? Well, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one of the lessons that I learned competing on my little list of tales here is that masters competitions aren't like open. You know, this is the first time I've been old enough to do masters and open competitions. You know, you're in a weight class, so you might be five or 10 pounds bigger than the next guy. That's why I always like to come in at the top of the light heavyweight class, you know, because usually I'm five or 10 pounds bigger than some of the guys around me. And, but in open or in masters, rather you're, there's no weight classes. They put all the 40 year old dudes on the stage. So, you know, they start with like, 11 of us and then they pick out the top five of us and they're whittling it down and like you know when i was in um in fargo the guy who won my class he was the super heavyweight winner in the open division so how can i compete with that you know what i mean i'm like oh my god and you know and then one of the other guys that did well you know uh 147 pounds at like five nine i mean ripped to shreds but, you know, and it's funny to look at the judging scorecards because we're actually going to have the promoters of that show and a couple other shows on next week. Uh, and they really did a good job. I mean, the, the judges, they send written reports to each competitor about what they liked and what they didn't, you know, what the scores were and some of that kind of stuff. But there were actually uh, – there was a time in that event where – it not, not masters but in, in the open that more judges placed me in second – than the guy who took second. And I'm like, how does that work? Yeah. You know, and, and I know you thought the high and the low numbers, but even, you know, irrespective of that, how is it that more judges place me higher than the guy who was a, ahead of me? Uh, it's a mystery to me. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's just the way that the judging works. And you know what? That's why when I go into this kind of stuff, and we've said this before, I just want to go in, I want to be a finalist. 
You know what I mean? Because it's apples and oranges at that point. If somebody likes the 147-pound ripped-to-shreds dude and not me at 198 who's just regular ripped, okay. You know, I mean, if that's what the judges want, I disagree with that. But at the same time, you know. And, you know, all the guys backstage, too, super sportsmen. I mean, um, in fact, that super ripped guy, he may even be listening to the show, but he actually said at one point, I mean, just the sportsmanship, he's like, well, I'm glad if I have to lose, it's to you. Well, that makes me feel good, you know, but at the yeah. same time, yeah, man, apples and oranges. And what do you do with that kind of stuff in open competition or in a master's competitions? It just amplifies it because you literally one, two and three in that weight class. You had the guy that was like, you know, 240 in shape. You had me at 198 in shape. And then you have a basically a lightweight in shape. So you got a super heavy a light heavy and a lightweight all in the same class. I don't know. So word to the wise, if you're an older listener and you're ever thinking about competing, wow, that's, that's what Dr. L learned. <laughs> There's no weight classes in the, in the masters. Well, so. it's, it's the whole thing of, you know, like, again, you and I always talking about, you know, from the glory years of like Arnold and that to now the standard of what is considered quote unquote in shape I think it's just gotten absurd. I'm sure the guy you're talking about who was 143 or 7 or whatever he was, I'm sure he would have looked, still looked rocking at 170. Oh, he was the most ripped guy I've ever seen, to be honest with you. Well, the most ripped saying. person I've ever seen. If he just had 30 pounds more mass, you know what I mean? Because at 5'9", in my estimation, this is just me, but I think you got to be, you know, top of the middleweights at the very least or preferably a light heavyweight to kind of have an unusual amount of muscle mass. I mean, to me, that's what bodybuilding is. But again, apples and oranges, because like you said, you know, judges seem to want a level of conditioning that's um, you know, almost ridiculous. I mean, like if you look at old photos or videos of Zane, like I posted on my Facebook page recently, he looks fantastic. But he's probably about 5% fat or something. I mean, he's, his skin quality is, is awesome. He's polished. He's lean. You can see every muscle. Did he have striations up his glutes? No. Thighs? No. You know what I mean? And so it's more of a classic preference, I guess, versus just crazy shredded. Having, actually, have striations on your serratus? I mean, really? You know? But again, and, that's, and I think that's why I <laughs> really don't understand just the sheer mass of a lot of these heavier weight pro bodybuilders. I mean, and how unnatural that is. You know, you hear guys all the time saying, oh, yeah, but it's summer. You know, the guy's like a soft, you know, 210. But the summer, I want to be a ripped 235. People just have no idea, you know, how much mass these guys, these lean mass these guys are carrying and how unnatural it is. You know, I mean, like you're saying, to be 5'9", 5'10", and be on stage in a professional bodybuilding show at like, you know, Three, four percent body fat and being like 250, 260 pounds. I mean, that's, that's monstrous. Yeah. And, and not always in a good way. You know, I mean, people, oh, no, the, no. the human body just, it starts to become so overladen that you're like, when you look like a myostatin deficient bull, some people like that for the freak factor, but you become less and less appealing to most people. You know, you just, and I think that's why bodybuilding is, um, you know, it's just not what it used to be in a lot of ways. And, you know, I sound like some golden era uh, fuss budget. But, you know, I mean, it's true. There has to be some level of near attainability or something like that. I mean, don't tell me Rich Gaspari wasn't incredibly muscular. You know, yeah, he had ripped glutes and all that, too. But you know what I mean. I mean, his body weight, he, well, he didn't compete at 270 at 5'8 or whatever he was. Yeah, he, he was usually between 215 and 220. yeah. But he looked yeah. amazing, you know, because there's enough human variation in physique that you can still get a lot of character out of the physiques. Okay, um, here, let me ask you a question. Like, who do you think, past or present, I'm sure it would be something in the past, obviously, who do you think, off the top of your head, um, for your own tastes, had a nice blend of the lines and the proportions and symmetry and aesthetics with, again, what you were kind of calling out, uh, a few minutes ago, the whole idea of it being bodybuilding. Who do you think carried, uh, you know, a, a nice mixture of the both? So uh, again, they had the aesthetics, but they all had. They also carried a really nice, heavy, heavily dense physique. Yeah. Well, again, with, you know, there's so much human variability. And by the sure. way, I don't know if people realize we hear about genetics all the time, presumably for shape. But I remember watching an old Carl Sagan video once, and he was actually saying that there is so many possible combinations of DNA. 
that there are many, many more possibilities for different types of humans that have ever lived. So that's really interesting to me. You know, we have that much variation. And so when you ask a question like that, I mean, I guess the way I could say this is some of the people that I idolized growing up, and they're radically different builds. But so Frank Zane loved that physique, you know, and I mean, partly it's because I am similar height and and dimensions and whatnot. But I really like that look. He was thicker than a lot of people, you know, sometimes give him credit for. But at the same time, a huge fan of Rich Gasperi. I mean, outrageous. I was just looking at some old videos of him yesterday on YouTube. God dang, that guy was hard and muscular. I mean, some of his poses were so dramatic. I much rather see that than somebody who's, you know, 290 in shape on stage today. I just really rather. I mean, right. he was so thick. His chest and his traps, his upper back, I mean, thick. But then there were guys like Al Beckles, completely, you know, sort of maybe a halfway between a Zane and a Gaspari or something, but huge, you know, Apple biceps peaks and fantastic shape, you know, and I admired him because he was an older guy kicking ass. Uh, even when I was a teenager, I, I admired that. You know, here's this guy who's in his 50s. and But anyway, so, you know, there's, there's so much variability there. Yeah. I, I, I've always kind of liked the guys who maybe this is because, again, it's a reflection of me a little bit because, you know, I, I'm deceiving in my body weight. I've always kind of liked the guys who actually had really nice aesthetic, like very functional, strong physiques. And they usually weighed a lot more than you thought they did, you know. Yeah. Versus the, other, versus the other way around, where guys you think the guy weighs like you know two eighty, and the guy actually weighs only two twenty, which is a very obviously a very much of a function of the kind of the bodybuilding myth of the lights and the cuts and all that kind of thing. But I've always liked that kind of you know the glory years, um, you know late eighties, um, Gary Stridham, uh, Bob Paris. Bob Paris was a guy that. Lots of people never put in the kind of the pool of the larger pro bodybuilders. And the fact remains is that at the time that he competed, of course not now, but at the time that he competed, he was actually one of the heavier bodybuilders. <clears throat> and uh, I remember Bob Kennedy telling me um, when Bob he saw him training at his peak at World Gym in Venice, um, I guess this would, would have been the mid-80s, mid and he said that, I remember him saying straight to my face, he says, listen, in the gym... In shape, with a tank top on, nobody looks bigger than Bob Paris. Yeah. Because he was very deceiving. He didn't look particularly tall in photographs. He didn't look particularly big. But you're looking at a guy who was six feet tall and was on stage at like 235, 240. And again, this is like 25 years ago. Well, he's also a good example of someone who I considered ripped enough. But, you know, he wasn't razor sharp like maybe Mm -hmm. he could have been. And I think maybe that kept him out of the top three slots a lot of times. But yeah. it's still – people would say, what a beautiful physique. You know, I mean that guy right. had it together shape-wise, size-wise, and I, I never considered him one of the heavier dudes either. That's interesting that you said that. But, yeah. but you know what I mean as far as condition goes? I don't see why we can't expect that. And let me, let me bring up something you mentioned earlier. When people – and judges too, when they see the covers of magazines, these guys 270, 290 – in shape, and you can actually see striations on things that shouldn't even have striations. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. I think that trickles down in the judges' minds, and they expect uh, some element of that sharpness in amateur competitions like I do. Well, well for, when for sure. in amateur competitions, in order to look like that, you've got to waste yourself down 70 pounds below your normal body weight and sacrifice two for one when it comes to muscle versus fat. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm desperately trying not to do right now. But it's happening. I mean, you can only push yourself. If I push myself all the way down, I might even dehydrate a little bit down to 189. I mean, that's just stupid. For And like you say, you know, it, it becomes a, a case of diminishing returns, right? I mean, like you say, I mean, you get to a point where you're look damn good, you know, and you're, quote, you know, in shape for a show. And you want to get that little extra tighter. And what do you have to sacrifice in order to get that little extra tighter? It usually is, I, in my opinion, it's, it's just not worth it, right? Because you're, you're wasting away an inordinate amount of muscle mass just to get that little bit of, and it, again, it depends, you know, and I've seen some competitors, you're talking about that guy who is the letter guy, 147 pounds in your class and that. I've seen guys like that who have been, you know, I've only seen them in a competition setting and then I see them several months later in the gym. Oh hey, how's it going? You know what I mean? And the, and the person is so beyond more massive than I saw them in the competition. And I'm not just talking about you know they blew up five, 50, 60 pounds of fat. 
Right. I'm talking about you see them with, and you're thinking, and you say, like, what the hell have you been doing? And they're like, well, this is kind of how I always am at in the off season. And I think to myself, what a damn shame. My God, yeah. You know, it, there's no way you should have been that small, you know? And I can't even allude to my own self. You know, when I, when I did my last bodybuilding competitions in 96, I was, I think, 202 on stage. And the truth of the matter is, Everybody who was looking at me at the posing room, in the posing room at the gym I was at, and these were like national level competitors that were helping me with my posing, they were all telling me that I was kind of entering into you're there in the 225, 220 pound class. I mean, in 220 pound range. Right. You know, so, and, and then I shaved off another almost 20 pounds. Well, see, I felt fantastic in the low twos, you know, and in the gym, I looked huge, vascular, full. And when you come down, I, I'm sure you're going to see a god line. Your face is so drawn. You're so small. I mean, in a in a nice way, I'm sure. But you know what I mean. I am small. And but is it dramatic? Oh yeah. If I get under the right lights, I mean, damn. But you know, one of the things that bothers me is, you know, like, you know how Tom Platt's his adductors, his inner thigh, not just the teardrop and the right. the sweep of his thigh, but the inner thigh was so huge. And I'm sacrificing pounds of that area. To finally get striations up my up my vastus lateralis, I don't I don't really want that necessarily. I'd rather have the big wheels, you know. Well, you um, know what the old the old uh, conundrum is, right? Like, I mean, if you can look big in clothes and smaller out of clothes, or you can look bigger out of clothes and smaller in clothes, and that's I mean, truthfully, right? Because you're talking about like I mean, the, you're saying about dramatic under the right lights, you know, when you're posing and you're at absolutely. You know, and it, isn't it funny because you can get a guy who's, you know, 275 pounds that doesn't look, ne- I mean, you know, that doesn't look nearly as muscularly dramatic as a guy who weighs 175 pounds. It, it's that whole illusion of bodybuilding. Um, right. again, no, it is. When you, so when you get a guy who is 3% body fat and he's 275, it's like, dear God. You know well, I mean? it plays it's, to yeah. my advantage as a teacher, too. My students have no idea that I'm about 3% body fat right now, you know, and because I, I wear dumpy sweaters, and they have no idea, you know, uh, you know what I look like. But in a way, that's good, because I, I'm, I, I don't want to, again, right or wrong, and we'll probably have a future episode on some of the social stigmas of this stuff, but I can't, I can't look like a bull-neck, purple-faced, ready-to-pop behemoth behind the podium you know what i mean that 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 illegitimizes you i mean again right or wrong because i you know i actually know some people who are incredibly intelligent who sort of fit that mold yeah but um you know you got to be really careful with that and fortunately uh enclosed because i don't have a bull neck you know i mean right now i think my neck's only 17 inches or something because i'm so whittled down but you know you get the idea is then you know in trunks on stage though it's 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 a different story, but yeah. you know, at some point, it's not enough for me just to be dramatic. Like if, if you said, Lonnie, you could have striated lats, you know, you could have striated everything if you just got down to 170. I'd tell you to piss off, you know. Yeah. No, absolutely not, because to for me, we all draw lines in the sand, and for me, I don't feel like I'm carrying an unusual enough amount of body mass. You know, to set myself apart from the people in the frickin' crowd, unless I'm around 190 plus at my height. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's it's, it's me, that trade-off. Let me let me shift gears a little bit here, so we can get Phil in here a little bit. Um, this is an interesting conversation I had with my father of all people a few days ago. I was looking at that video again of the guy um, Magnuson doing the 1,015 deadlift, yeah. um, and he weighs around 380 pounds or something like that. And my father was like, you know, how much does he weigh? And I told him, and his whole reaction was just so perplexing to a person like me and us. And he's like, well, why would you ever want to weigh that much? Why would you? And I was like, well, it's just a means to an end. You know, it's just, it, it's, his body weight is besides the point, you know? And it was just, it was just interesting how vehemently he, he attacked the whole concept of anybody actually getting to that body weight and seemingly unable to grasp the concept of some people just, you know, want to be unusually good at something, and and all that comes with it is kind of just well, that's just what comes with it. You know, that's the uh, whole. You know, it's the whole reaching for something more than average, man. I mean, it's well, and really that's what I said. Be- that's why I said I said some people just don't want to be average, right? And and they're prepared to sacrifice certain things so that they they're not average. And I mean, you can say that for any kind of endeavor in life, not even just physical, but you know, like Lonnie's, you know, push to be so educated, right? He's had to sacrifice certain things, you know. 
to get to the point where he, you know, he is so, you know, formally educated. I mean, people, you have to sacrifice something to usually, very usually, to, you know, to be better than, you know, the average. Well, that's what brings meaning, I think. If you don't invest part of your inner person, you know, and somehow dump everything into it. Rob, you yourself has said before on these shows that, you know, when you do something half-assed, even if you were to place or get the lift or something, it's not nearly as satisfying as with if you've had all the blood, sweat, and tears, and you struggle and you barely make the lift, or you know, or, or achieve what you want on stage or whatever it is. So much more meaningful. You've got to have sacrifice. It almost defines the whole thing. Yeah, and it was just the whole idea of like, oh, he's three three eighty. The guy can't sit in a chair without breaking it. And why would you ever want to be three eighty? It was just. It was just so interesting to me because, because my from my vantage point, um, it's it's besides the point. You know what I mean? For, first of all, from a from a stand, from a, a standpoint of a person who pra- practices this type of thing, um, it just it's just logical and reasonable that somebody who lifts so much is probably going to weigh a whole lot. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're not going to see anybody pulling you know thousand pounds off the floor weighing you know two hundred ten pounds. You know, unless maybe you're Ed Cohen as Pete, but you but you know what I mean? And and then the whole the, on the flip side, the whole concept of why would you ever want to be that much? And I'm just like, you know, and my whole thing was, I don't think if you asked him at, at a moment when he was just going to be quite frank with you, I, I think he would probably respond something to the effect of, you know, my body weight is neither here nor there. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not a matter of convenience or inconvenience. It just happens to be what it is. You know, and it's just interesting, kind of li- listening to people who are not athletes. Um, yeah. Or people, you know, versus somebody who is, and it's just, and like like you said, Lonnie. I mean, it, this this stretches obviously well beyond the realm of just physical, you know, athleticism and physical pursuit. It's with anything in life. If you don't want it to be average, you usually have to do what the average people are not willing to do. Oh yeah. You know, and that's and the whole thing, right? It's it's the whole thing. His body, his life, doesn't it revolves around his goal. You know what he looks like and what other people think isn't doesn't matter, right? And that's a very new well, yeah, construct. You know, everybody course. nowadays is is totally worried about external, and you know they're worried about. I've written about this about about what everybody else thinks. Yeah, and, think and living by I should do this, I should do this. It's like, well, do something for you, you know. And it's uh, you know he's just following his own drummer. You know, well, it's stepwise. Just, you know what I mean? Like like when when your dad looks at that guy, Rob. I mean. He's starting from square zero, and he's like, I don't get it. And, and I'm sure – this what's his name, Magnuson? Yeah. I'm sure he didn't say, I think I'll weigh 380. I think form follows function, you know, sort of like what Phil is saying. And it's a stepwise thing. As you get bigger, your lifts – I mean as your lifts go up, you get bigger and you heavier still. Your, your body's bigger still. And, you know, and it's the kind of thing that's it's stepwise. So nobody decides to weigh 380, I don't think, or nobody decides to – you know, be dehydrated and ripped with two percent body fat. It, this is a stepwise thing that you you uh, educate yourself and you slowly change your behavior to drift farther and farther away from that average norm. You know, last week I was in the gym and I had somebody intimate, and I've had people do this in in the past. I was doing a, a lift, uh, a particularly heavy lift. It was deadlifts, I think. And somebody said something like um, that intimated the whole concept of. Well, I could do that too if I weighed as much as you did, and his and, and I thought, wow, that's a really bizarre way of thinking about things. Hey, because a lot of people have this idea that you lift as much as you do because you're big. They don't realize that you're big because you lift as much as you do. Yeah, it's a cause and effect confusion. And there's a and and, and I'm, yeah, I'm extrapolating kind of further to what you said there about you know it's just like you know it's a step by step thing. People come up and say, well, geez, Rob, how the hell did you ever get to weigh 290 pounds? I don't know. I've been training for 25 years. You know what I mean? It's I started at 130. It wasn't some of the, you know, I mean, yeah, I always wanted size and strength and muscle and stuff like that. But it, it, it was no, like, definable goal of, you know, well, you know, I won't stop until I'm 320 pounds. I mean, you just, you know, after so many years of just beating at it and beating at it and beating at it, it's it's kind of just, and specifically now because I've kind of, you know, changed to just, you know, pursuit of just pure strength and power, you know, kind of talking about the guy who just did the, you know, the 380-pound guy, you know, it's like you just kind of arrive where you are, you know, and it's, it's 
it, it's kind of not here nor there. It's just but what guys, you are. But, you know, guys like us, and we're not as dramatic as him, of course, but certainly him as an outlier, you know, you think about, like, standard deviations, you know, inching farther and farther away from the mean or the average or the norm. And we're, you know, we're accomplished, I, I, I think you, we could all say, but... You know, we're already at a point, I mean, let alone him, even us, we're at a point where, you know, the average person's not really going to get it. And it's one of the reasons that I rather stay modest and stay covered up and not let students really realize that I compete in bodybuilding because all they're going to be, they're going to be like, that's weird. You know what I mean? They're, they're really not going to get that unless it's a young guy who's after that himself. But I think there's a certain level of indoctrination into the, into this stuff that, you, but know, you know, what? Gen- required. The general populace should be thankful of people like us. And I'll tell you why. Years and years ago, I actually interviewed Tom Platts. I know we were just speaking about him a few minutes ago. I interviewed him, and I loved what he said once because he was talking about how, you know, some people – because I, I think one of my questions was something to the effect of, you know, how when you're standing in a bank line, how does the average person react to you? You know, and he said, you know, they react to how you would think, right? They kind of look and they gawk, and you can hear them mumbling on their breath, and, you know, the, look at the freak and all this kind of thing. It's like He says, but you could do the same thing with a guy who's – sole pursuit in light is to see how fast he can take a, a car, you know, um, down a quarter mile track or something like that. And his, his whole thing is, you know, we learn about the cars that you and I drive from the guy who's, who spends his life trying to maximize the performance. Unusually so. You know what I mean? So it's like the general populace benefits from people who are willing to take any avenue specifically and push it to the very limits. Actually, Rob, what you're saying there is one of the reasons I study, uh, you know, heavy resistance trainers like powerlifters and bodybuilders and the nutrition interactions with them and stuff. I mean, some of the data we just shared in Washington, D.C., some of the bone densities were literally uncharted territory. You know, I mean, and that really started because I saw you in a DEXA scan. And if you remember, you had like 99.9th percentile bone density. So, you know, being a smaller guy, I got in, I was like 99.6 and I'm like, whoa, something's going on here. So I, I've actually used that when I even speak in scientific settings. I'll say, you know, a friend of my Rob, he always says you can learn an awful lot about the average car by studying what dragsters are capable of. You know, what is the envelope? How far can humans push it? And, yeah. you know, that's why I like to document that stuff even for science because you're right. It, it does serve a purpose. Yeah. Okay, listen. Uh, I want to just take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to share a couple of contest tales. Uh, and we'll just, you know, all of us will just kind of talk shop some more about it. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop, co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you. Welcome, listeners. We're back. Uh, before we get into uh, talking about some contest tales, because I never did t- tell the crotch sock story, um, I just want to let listeners know we've only we've got less than ten mugs left. So if you're interested in becoming a supporting member of Iron Radio, thank you so much for the people who have done that. Um, and if you haven't received your mug, it's on the way. I, I I mail these things out myself, so you give me a break here. I'm getting on it as fast as I can. We got less than ten mugs left, and we're trying to just flesh out those supporting members at four dollars a month. I mean, it's literally an amount of money that's probably less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees every month. And you, you know, you're basically just stepping up. You don't have to do it. Iron Radio is free. It's always going to be free, but you know, alas, in this age of the dumbing down of America and NPR losing some of its funding and all this kind of stuff. Hopefully, you know, there's enough intellectual uh, power athletes out there that are 
you know, going to help us step up and, and provide a little bit better programming with the professors and the competitors. You know, next week we've got some uh, bodybuilding show promoters that do a fantastic job running events. Um, I, I know by first-hand experience. So anyway, less than 10 mugs left. You want to be a supporting member and get that free mug. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be a period where, and we will probably do another drive, but uh, after these 10 mugs are gone, all you're going to get is our respect. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, as far as contest tales, let me, I want to start with the, the crotch sock story. The, the, where that came from, and people are like, oh, finally we get to hear this. Uh, I had no idea, you know, with this whole artificial tanning thing, that it's sort of artistry, right? That basically, uh, there was this husband and wife up in Fargo and, and, uh, and they were doing something similar when I was in St. Louis, but they paint you with a airbrush. And I'm like, uh, I had no idea. Am I going to stand in a tent and get sprayed like a car in a shop? I had no idea. Um, like, uh, you know, like basically, you know, here's a mask. You're just, we're just going to gas you and stand in the cloud. I had no idea, but basically they, they paint you. And, you know, this lady had her own little concoction with the perfect, you know, red brown color and this and that. And it did look really good. Now, I'm a huge fan of getting some real tan as well. Otherwise, it just, you look sort of ashy and the whole thing seems disingenuous. But so I'm like, okay, how do we do this? I have no idea. She goes, well, you, you put this on and she hands me a baby sock. And I'm like, what really? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I look in the back room and there's some, there's this guy walking around naked with a sock over his package. You know, he's got it all tucked in there. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know, and I mean, it just seemed very matter of fact. And I mean, I think an, a sociologist would study this and be like, look, these people objectify their bodies like cars. You mentioned a car analogy, Rob, to the point that it's not even, you know, in any other setting, walking around in public with your package stuffed into a baby sock. You would be extremely self-conscious and nobody cared. You know, there's, there's girls on the other side of the screen and they're doing something similar. I don't know what they were doing exactly, but the point being is, you know, people are just walking around with their package hanging in, in a, in a sock, you know, and, and I'm, she's like, don't worry. You don't have to hold it. It'll stay. And I'm like, oh, oh, all right. So, you know, we're spinning around getting painted up like automobiles. And it was just one of the weirdest things I've, I've ever experienced because, you know, then once you get painted, you you have to get dry. They'll dry you with a hair dryer and then you come back for more. Yeah. And then the guy and his wife are just standing around, you know, and, you know, he, he, here's me and these handful of other guys that have paid to have this done, which is about a 100 bucks, by the way, to get this stuff done. Um, and I just, you know, it was just the weirdest thing I, I've ever experienced. So that's where the whole crotch sock came from. And even on the side of it. She personalizes them with little sayings and stuff. It's got like, you know, that fabric paint on it. I can't even remember what it said now. If but you're an endorsed athlete, do you get a Nike sock? Maybe you do. I don't know. So anyway, I, my, my wife took the sock and stuck it over one of my trophies. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> oh, weird stuff, man. Bodybuilding is weird stuff. It is weird stuff. So, I remember, I remember back in my day spending the last three days just Hold up in my apartment with my my buddy over there, and you know every hour or so I was stripping down so he could paint me with a little you know foam brush. Oh yeah, and then yeah, you there was some the, of that too. Yeah, and then you just kind of you know put put a put an old sheet on your bed and you just lie naked and watch movies all day every hour, just you know getting up and doing it over and over and over again. And for a guy like me who is naturally Casper the Friendly Ghost, I mean it was it was necessary for me to get at yeah. least seven or eight coats on. So you know, and I mean. Yeah, these are the kind of things that, you know, you, you, when you're kind of in the throes of it, you think to yourself, what what the hell am I doing? <laughs> you do. You do. I mean, what yeah, the hell am I doing? You if, know? You, if you've got any kind of sanity at all and you're not totally sucked into the subculture and you can stand out and look at yourself, you know, yeah, you're like, what am I doing? I mean, this is frankly bizarre. <laughs> you know, and I don't know. And you're, what, along the lines of what you just said, this one guy, Rich, um, He's got a Facebook page. I'll, I'll omit his name for uh, anonymity reasons. But he won the middleweight class. looked fantastic. Uh, and he, I heard him say, yeah, between the prejudging in the morning and the evening show, I went back to my hotel room because somebody said, your tan looks so good. He said, yeah, I went back and uh, I laid on the sheet and I didn't move for four hours. I'm like, oh, more and more weirdness. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, no yeah. fault to this guy. That's what had to be done for him to have that look. But it really emphasized to me how incredibly 
temporary, not just week to week temporary with the leanness, but literally hour to hour or even minute to minute temporary this is with sort of the theatrical hyper coloration and all that kind of stuff. Well, think about this, right? I mean, you got to think about somebody who, again, like myself, who doesn't naturally tan well at all, like zero. Plus, I had a shaved head my last, and and so you're putting the stuff on. You can't really shave the last couple of days, so you're getting certainly a little stubble on the top of your skull, right? And you can't just. And I remember the, me and the guy, the guy who was helping me paint me. He was like, "Well, are we going to paint your head or what?" And I was like, "Well, you can't just paint my face, you know, and you, and you can't and you, and you can't avoid everything above the neck, you know." No, like a, they painted my like face. A, yeah, I look like a, I look like a light bulb, right? So yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, I guess I guess you kind of got to paint the whole melon, right? So <laughs> so we're doing it, and it was just I looked like a damn fool. It, I mean, on stage I looked okay, but I mean when I had all my sweats on off stage and I was just walking around, I mean people were looking at me like you know I remember during the pre. After the prejudging, I went to a Swiss chalet, a restaurant here in Canada, um, to get a baked potato between. And, and, and I mean, the looks you're getting. Because, I mean, not only are you emaciated, and, and my face looked like I just got out of a concentration camp. Oh, I'm like that right now, man. Exactly. But, you know, but at the and also I had this really, rid, like, beyond ridiculous. <laughs> it looked like I stuck my whole head into a vat of right. mud. You've got I mean, the savage tan of the yeah. islands, baby. Yeah. Oh, it, it looks so retarded. I look like but Al Jolson. Yeah, exponentially like. worse, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, you know, and uh, again, you look at on stage, it was okay. But I mean, yeah, it's just so bizarre, you know? Um, yeah. It, it's so it's amazing. Your deal. Well, I think that's an important, I think that's an important message, you know, that how, how fleeting and how, how one second this is. Because there's so many people that, oh, I want to look like that all year long. And, pfft, Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it doesn't happen, people. No. You know, they look at bodybuilders on stage and, and figure models and on covers of magazines and stuff, and they just don't realize. It's a minute out of a year. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, that has become ever more um, the case as the, the, the competitors have become more and more the freaks, you know? I mean, it, it could have been a guy like Frank Zane, because again, we were talking about him, a guy like Frank Zane, it was much easier for him to look the part of the kind of like the, you know, well-built, awesomely muscular guy than it is a guy like Ronnie Coleman, you know? I mean, because like you say, people look at that and they see, you know, they're always exposed to those visuals, you know, whether on stage or the photo shoots are just before, or just after competition and so forth. And they and most of these people don't actually get up close to these guys, you know, deep in the off-season. You know, a guy who steps on stage at 280 pounds, they don't see him as, you know, the, the big, badly colored bloated, sweating, 320-pound guy in the off-season, right? And it's anything but photogenic or anything. I mean, now, yeah. Look- obviously, a lot of amateurs, I'm not, I, I never get to that point, but it's funny that the guys in the local gym, you know, they're sort of local towny type dudes, you know, not unlike Pep's gym, you know, I'm talking about lifting, and I actually prefer to lift with blue-collar guys usually, you know, the carpenters and plumbers and drywallers and you know, regular guys, and I don't always fit that mold, I guess, but at the same time, these guys were so appreciative. They're like, oh, my God, you're so huge, like back in December, you know, when I was lean but big. And now they're not impressed. You know what I mean? Yeah, what, yeah. It's funny. What the judges want uh, is not what they want. They wanted – they were blown away. Oh, God, my, you're huge. You know, th- this was like 15 pounds ago, you know. And it's amazing that I have to go so far beyond that, and they can't wrap their head around that. They don't understand why you know I'm so drawn and my face is sunken, and I'm so you know they. It's not even appealing to them. And again, it's partly because they're sort of corn-fed local boys, but at the same time, you know I can sympathize with what they're saying. I almost rather be big and powerful and feel great. So, I don't without know. naming names, I remember years ago it wasn't with you, obviously, but I mean there was another guy I was at, I think the Arnold Classic or something like that, and we were in the expo and. One of the guys I was walking around with was really infatuated with this particular female bodybuilder. This is, again, like, you know, early 90s kind of thing. So there were still some attractive women in female bodybuilding. <clears throat> anyway, um, and I remember we were walking around, and, and she was sitting at a booth. And I'm not naming names, but she was sitting at a booth. And I said, oh, there's, there, there's your lady there. She wasn't competing that weekend. And I remember him just looking with this face of absolute disgust. I mean... She looked nothing like she does in the competition pictures or so forth. She was, in fact, she was eating what looked to be a, you know, um, 
triple hamburger with, you know, all the fixings dripping out onto her T-shirt and, you know, sweaty with her, you know, straw hair up in a big mound <laughs> and, you know, her, you know, a receding hairline thing going on and, wow, yeah. you know, just massive Tom Plass jowls going on and, you know, it, it's, it really can be deceiving for people and sometimes I think, like, there's a guy at the gym and he just recently went to the, this most recent Arnold Classic for the first time and he kept asking me, should I go, should I go? And I kept saying to him, you know what? If you're into this whole kind of thing, I think everybody deserves the chance to do, to go to something like that. That's a, at least once. You know, because it really does give you a different perspective on, again, the kind of the weirdness that does kind of uh, <laughs> exist within and around the framework of what we all do. Oh, it's an education. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, not all for the bad. I mean, this, like I said, obviously none of us would be engaged in this if it, you know, if it was all crap, but, there is so much weirdness out there and so much just, and like, I like what you said about 15 minutes ago, long when you were saying some of us who aren't completely consumed by it. I mean, and I think it's always important to not always be a hundred percent. It's like I tell um, some people at the gym, you know, when I'm in the gym, I'm a hundred percent the gym. I'm all business, you know, and when I'm doing things like eating and all that kind of thing, I, I, I'm doing it for a specific purpose, but it can't be everything you are. You know, you have to have something. That's not in any way, shape, or form affiliated with that kind of thing, you know? Because totally. yeah. otherwise, you just become one of these guys who it's just like, you know, nobody wants to hang around with you because all you want to talk about is, you know, dialing in your serratus. And, you know, nobody cares about that. It gets tiresome. It really it does. does. Well, even some. with you, you know, there are times where, you know, you'll sort of educate me on the recent heavy metal stuff that's coming out or, you know, there's something else to talk about. I Between my work and my my research and hobbies, you know – Totally. You've got to have some level of balance there because otherwise, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I, I think powerlifters are less guilty. I think bodybuilders get so into it. Um, but yeah, not, you know, not to say never... that there aren't power, powerlifters who, you know, aren't completely over the top sort of dudes. Right, too, right. You know, but. Well, I think you would walk into any of our apartments and, and you would, if you, if you hadn't known that any of us were in, like, you know, that Phil was a, you know, lifter, I'm a lifter, you're a body, I, you would never know that we did that because I can know that I can certainly say for Lonnie's and certainly for mine, you would walk into my apartment and you would, I think you would immediately know I'm, I was just, you know, am, amazingly into music, but a metalhead, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. But, but there was nothing in my room, absolutely Nothing that would give away the fact that I'm a power lifter. Aside nothing. from a weight belt hanging on the door or something, or yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think I think that, and again, it's not clapping for myself. I'm just thinking. I think that's important, though. And I think, in a subconscious way, I think I've always kind of um, pushed for that in my life a little bit. You know, to kind of keep things separate. You know, it is a part of you, but it's not the entirety. It's a part of you. Yeah. You know, and I, and I know Phil's the same way. Phil, yeah. you know, I mean, he, with his art and stuff like that. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've stayed balanced, you know, is because we all have things that, you know, are far removed from that aspect of it, you know? I think that's what makes us a reasonable co-host. You know, when people say, oh, I just discovered Iron Radio. I've just listened to it two or three times. You guys got that recent email. Yeah. Um, you know, we get a couple of those every week, of course. And I think it's because like, oh, hey, these are normal guys. Yeah, we are. We're not, you know, uh, cocky bastards, you know, who are completely consumed and one-dimensional. You know, I mean, Phil's got his business. I mean, Phil's got a master's degree in music. You know what I mean? I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I, I, I think it, it adds to the, you know, to the well-roundedness of, of a person, and it makes us a little bit more relatable. Because if you listen to a lot of podcasts around the web, I mean, damn, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. They're so. Uh, first of all, they're not very entertaining. You know, the guys don't really have much to talk about because they're not aware of current events or anything or in science or, you know, uh, different uh, conferences or competitions. You know, they're all they they're just completely one dimensional and their knowledge base is sort of shows that, unfortunately, you know. So anyway, right, well, listen, you mentioned weirdness. I wanted to say a couple of things that I heard that was weird. You know, when I sat backstage, this is mostly in St. Louis, but not just. These guys have no idea I'm a nutrition professor, right? And some of this nutritional weirdness that I see going on. Last week I talked about, just briefly, the guy who lost 100 pounds on the all-meat diet. This, <laughs> yeah. this guy, he, he, stopped, he started eating nothing but meat on Halloween. And he weighed 300 pounds in Halloween 2010. And then uh, you know, in, by March 2011, he weighed 200 pounds. 
And I'm just like, my God. I'm like, you could have thrown in some broccoli or spinach or something, man. You know, how do you, how do you keep that moving through? I don't know. That's I what been... I did. That is exactly what I did, though. When I went from 315 <laughs> to 215, I was eating 20 grams or less of carbs, including fiber a day. No veg, huh? And I went from 315 to 215. And you didn't get constipated? No, two and a, you just you were like a snake. You crapped out nothing but like bone fiber. Well, maybe he was oh, having wow. some. Maybe yeah, he I was just... having some veg, not the veg. But... <laughs> oh, there you go. There oh, you go. That, no, it, it works. <laughs> that, but... That's great. That's great. But 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 it goes on. I mean, I thought that was strange. But I mean, obviously effective. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I actually recorded part of that was my conversation with him. I'm not going to put it on air because I wanted to have that for posterity. Because I'm like, wow, dude. But some of the guys backstairs, <laughs> this one guy. He, you know, he's he's feeling sort of special, and he's dispensing almost like dealing niacin tablets to people because somebody heard that this was a vasodilator, and I'm like, guys, you know, I'm thinking this, I'm not saying <laughs> like, that's going to vasodilate like your forehead and nice. cheeks, you know, <laughs> and it's not going to make the big veins stand out. That's going to make little capillary beds in your skin and your cutaneous layer stand out, you know. And you're going to feel hot and tingly and uncomfortable. And these guys, I mean, this one guy's like, I took too much. And his face is all purple, bright red, you know. <laughs> you guys, what are you, you know. And I'm just sitting there kind of snickering. So there was like the niacin dealer. I thought that was very, that was very funny. <laughs> uh, and, uh, all right, guys, I, we're kind of running out of time here, right? Eh? Yeah, I know, I know. But anyway, there's all that sort of nutritional weirdness. One guy broke out a, a chocolate cake. Uh, you know, felt compelled to eat this. I, I guess it was a special chocolate cake of some kind um, during the event. But you know, all these guys—they have such you know funny uh, ideas about this stuff. And and again, because maybe they they don't have other things going on. You know, they're it makes them vulnerable uh, to some of these myths that circulate around the gym floor backstage. And I'm just like, wow, you know, weird stuff, buddy. Weird stuff, guys. There you and, go, guys. I just got a, a shout on. Facebook as we as we're sitting here, I'm supposed to tell you guys thanks. He loves Iron Radio. Tell cool. Robin Lonnie hi. What's, All his, right. what's this gentleman's name? Does he say Ken Share? Ken, thanks. We appreciate you listening, man. Right on. Live post. We appreciate it. Yep. We appreciate all our Iron Radio uh, colleagues, friends. Awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of camaraderie. You know, yeah. you, you course, see that man. in competitions, and I know power competitions are like that too. You see, a lot, I think in all my adventures this spring so far, and they're not over yet, but I saw one tough guy glaring at everybody in the corner, flaring his nostrils. This guy was, you know, really a macho man, and all he did was ruin <laughs> his own experience. I mean, the other guys were laughing at him. We're all, you know, you know, this guy's got a flask, and people are doing little shots of, uh, you know, whiskey or red wine before they go on stage because they're hoping to vasodilate a little. But everybody's sort of having a good time because at this point, you're as lean as you're gonna get. You're as painted and primped up as you're going to get, you know, and yeah. especially the masters guys, they got good heads on their shoulders, you know, and they're, pl they're playing good music. It's actually more fun to listen to some of that music from the masters guys, I think. But anyway, there's this one tough guy. And I guess he thinks he's intimidating everybody else, but what an ass. You know? <laughs> I, I felt so sorry for him because he stood in the corner glaring and nobody's impressed. Certainly nobody's intimidated in any way. And, you know, and the guy placed, I mean, he looked good, but I don't, he didn't really look any better than anybody else. And it's like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to see that. I, like Phil once said, I guess there, you know, there are jerks in any crowd, but, well, I think you know, I think our listeners fall into the camaraderie group. You know, most people are actually pretty cool about this because what we, well, what we all do is so non-normal, you know, even if you're fairly well-rounded that we're a, we're a weird group. It might as well have some camaraderie. And the whole thing is, no matter who you are, within 60 years, you're going to be dead anyway. So, you know. That's right. It's, it, it, you can't take yourself too seriously. You know what I mean? Or it, it's just, it's all about, you know, doing your best and, and treating other people nicely. I mean, honestly, that's, that's how I live my life. And that's how I think, you know, I'd, I'd like to hope that all the people that are, you know, uh, friends of ours who are listen to our show kind of get that whole gist. You know, it's like, listen, man. Do your best. Leave the rest. I mean, who gives a rat's, right? We're all going to be, you know, taking a dirt nap anyway eventually one day. So if you can be a cool guy, you know, and achieve your goals at the same time without stepping on other people and being a dick, then, hey, you know what? More power to you. Well, like Bill Pearl told us, you know, what you guys are doing is, you know, giving some back. And, you know, that's that's got to be ultimately the goal. You can only compete for so long. Just like you said, eventually you're dead. Well, eventually – 
you know, in bodybuilding, you're too wrinkly probably to compete. At least I, I, I'll make that call for myself, <laughs> but, or your joints hurt or whatever happens, you know, you, and maybe you don't compete in exactly the same thing forever. And, you know, stuff like this gives us a way to, you know, connect and, and get people sort of in a, in a little community and that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's why I like to do these talk shop kinds of shows like this one. Some of our best ratings have actually come from just these silly shows where we just talk shop. So anyway, so yeah, so thanks to the listeners like that who actually, you know, dig it and like to hear a little bit of Jim talk. Yeah. All right, guys. Good it was stuff. Fun. Rob, go right. kill some squats, man. Yeah, I have to go uh, bust out some deep <laughs> knee bends, man. There you I go. Gotta go. I got to go milk my cow. <laughs> <laughs> just get in the gym some, Phil. Get in the gym some. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right, guys. Talk to See you later. And we'd like to also announce that with our 100th episode, we're going to offer that caption contest on our Facebook uh, listeners page. So go to Facebook, type in Iron Radio, look at the pictures of Phil and Rob. We're going to have a picture of each of these guys and caption the photo. It should be fun. So again, go to Facebook, Iron Radio listeners page and tell us what Rob and Phil are doing, at least in your head. Should be fun, and you'll win a prize if we choose you as the funniest caption. Thanks. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So... For more information, go to www.vissn.org. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.